0: Hello again everyone. I hope you've got your umbrella and welcome to this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News for September the 13th,
1: 2023.
2: Hello and welcome to the Black Country Talking News. beaconvision.org forward slash talking news as a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD. Simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902 880 111. We hope you enjoy this week's edition.
0: Reading for you this week we have myself, Nathan, Angela, Christine, Ian, Helen, Mina, Simon, and of course, not forgetting, Flashback Roger. In this week's edition, we have an update from Beacon, the quiz with Mina. From raw sewage in our rivers to Slivering snakes in our streets, we have the latest local news for the black country. Another Did You Know section from Flashback Roger, with neither wolves nor West Brom in action this week due to an international break. We have some inspiring stories from individuals who refuse to be held back by visual impairment. We also have the wet weather for the week ahead. I mean the weather for the week ahead. We have another bulletin of practical information and sight loss tips. And with the anniversary of the Queen's passing last week. We have a personal account of events from Sounding's contributor, Alistair, recalling a royal near-miss. Local news to start though, with Ian and Christine, but first, Angela.
3: People in Dudley may be able to slash their energy bills thanks to the return of a money-saving initiative. For the second time this year, Dudley Council has teamed up with a consumer advice company to take part in a big community switch. It comes as part of a government initiative which sees councils coming together to take part in a collective energy switching auction. By joining together, councils are able to get the very best energy deals through the power of bulk buying. Residents can now sign up to the next auction which will take place on October the 3rd, with 3,500 people in Dudley having registered for the last auction in July. Councillor Laura Taylor-Charles, Cabinet Member for Housing and Safer Communities said, we're really pleased that so many Dudley residents registered for the auction earlier this summer. It's the first time we've been able to offer this initiative for quite some time due to a lack of deals being available in the energy market. As we head towards the winter months, now is a great time to register. The more people that sign up to be part of the collective, the greater chance we have of securing better deals on energy tariffs. But remember, there's no obligation to Switch Provider. From experience, we know that people have saved hundreds of pounds in the past, and we hope this auction can offer a saving once again. To register for Big Switch, visit the Dudley Council website at dudley.gov.uk forward slash big switch. Alternatively, people can register by calling Dudley Council Plus on 0300 555 2345, but will need to have their current tariff details and fuel usage shown on their most recent bill to hand. Anyone who is in debt with their energy bills is advised to speak to the Council's Energy Advice Line before registering to switch by calling 01384 817086.
2: Medical negligence has cost the Royal Wolverhampton NHS Trust over £10.8 million in the last year, new findings have revealed. The West Midlands Organisation, which provides services for hospitals including New Cross, West Park and Cannock Chase, dealt with 229 medical negligence claims from July 2022 to July 2023. This amounted to £10.8 million in compensation according to Freedom of Information requests submitted by legalexpert.co.uk. In comparison, the Dudley Group NHS Foundation Trust dealt with no medical negligence claims in this time period and did not pay out any compensation. It comes after NHS Resolution, which handles medical negligence claims on behalf of NHS Trusts, revealed that negligence payments had risen by 9.9% from 2021-22 to 2022-23. So what do we know about medical
3: negligence? Here's a brief lowdown. Medical negligence occurs when a healthcare professional provides substandard care to a patient that falls below the standard expected of any healthcare professional. A claim may arise if the patient subsequently suffers unnecessary or avoidable harm. Nick Banks, head of medical negligence at JF Law, which owns the
2: legal expert brand, warned that the consequences for medical negligence can be devastating. He said... As well as the obvious emotional impact, injuries and bereavements can cause a bigger financial impact than many households can bear, particularly in the current cost-of-living crisis, when many are already struggling to make ends meet. Whilst some people understandably worry that making a claim will affect frontline care, the reality is that hospitals and GPs are always insured against such claims. As such, any damages owed are paid by the insurers and do not affect the care other patients are receiving.
4: A blind fundraiser has completed his latest challenge to walk 84 miles along Hadrian's Wall and he even added an extra 5 miles by mistake. Dave Healy, known in fundraising circles as Blind Dave, took 5 days to complete the 135 km feat as he returned to sponsored challenges for the Albion Foundation After major knee surgery, the 65 year old from West Bromwich is now returning to the black country for reconstructive surgery on his other knee. The Albion Foundation is the charitable arm of West Bromwich Albion FC and Blind Dave has so far raised more than £3 million for the cause. He hopes the Hadrian's Wall Trek will net another £30,000. It's been an incredible journey and my support team has been really fantastic. It's been tough. It's been long. It's been hard. It's been really hot. And it's felt like we've had mountains to climb and so many rocks to get over. It was like someone had dumped 500 tons of rock on the ground and expected us to scramble over it. One day they said we'd face about 30 styles. Well, it seemed like there were 130, Blind Dave said. It's been a fantastic experience, he said. It's 84 miles to cover Hadrian's Wall, but we covered 89.1 miles due to a little miscalculation. But we won't mention that.
3: Up next, we hear from Helen, who, as usual, has our latest Beacon update. Hi everyone,
5: it's Helen from Beacon and I am back with an update of everything that's been going on in the charity. I'm first this week, to everyone who entered our competition to design a new thank you card for our charity. We'd like to say a very big, well, thank you. We had some fantastic entries and our judges now have the difficult task of deciding the winner. We'll announce the winning design in the next few weeks. But we wanted to share some of the amazing entries we received in the meantime. We had some absolutely wonderful ones. Some with butterflies on, one with a beacon, some handprints, even a rainbow. Absolutely fantastic they were and we can't wait to tell you about the winning design. Now next, can you spare 30 minutes a week to make a difference for somebody living in your community? We're looking for volunteers to sign up for our popular befriending program. No experience is needed and we have telephone and home visiting befriending opportunities available. Get in touch via 01902 880 or email inquiries at beaconvision.org to find out more. Now, have you ever had a go at Crown Green Bowling? Well, we'll be trying our hand at the sport later this month when we head to Dudley Sports Club. If you fancy joining us on September the 29th, get in touch via 01902 880111 or email at inquiries at beaconvision.org to find out more. Finally this week, we're going to start with some quotes. Very informative. I raised my understanding of sight loss. Very interesting. What am I talking about? Well... These are participants on our sight loss awareness training course who say it helped them increase their understanding of visual impairment and how they can support someone with sight loss. If you know someone or a community group that might benefit from the course and would like to book one of our sessions, give us a call. You've probably got the number by now, but just in case, it's 01902 880111 or email inquiries at beaconvision.org.
3: That's it for this week. I'll be back again soon. Bye bye. Thanks for that update, Helen. Next up, we have another block of local news. And up first, we hear from Christine.
2: When we think of the summer holidays, we may think of sun, sea and sand. Now, the Black Country is no coastal Riviera, but last week we sure enjoyed some unbroken searing sunshine and plenty of… sand, too. (laughs) As last week, the region awoke to cars and windows all covered in what looked to be sand and dust. The blanket of sand and dust covered areas across the region including Stalbridge, Kings Winford, Wolverhampton and Telford. So other than not having washed them for some time, why were our cars and windows looking so grubby and covered like this? What exactly was this weather phenomenon sweeping the country? And did it pose any health risks?
3: The storm is a mixture of dust and sand from the Sahara in North Africa and it's not uncommon for it to reach these shores. When big dust storms in that part of the world coincide with southerly wind patterns, it's fairly common for them to make their way here, covering everything in a layer of dust as it comes down to earth. The dust can also be brought to earth by showers, creating a phenomenon known as blood rain, due to its reddish colour when it lands on the ground or objects. Explaining the phenomenon, the Met Office said Saharan dust is a mixture of sand and dust from the Sahara, the vast desert area that covers most of North Africa. As in other parts of the world, the wind can blow strongly over the deserts, whipping up dust and sand high into the sky. If the winds in the upper part of the atmosphere are blowing north, the dust can be carried as far as the UK. However, there's a downside to all this too, as dust can pose a risk to those with asthma and other lung conditions. Dr Andy Whittemore, clinical lead at the charity Asthma and Lung UK, said Saharan dust could pose a serious risk to people living with a lung condition such as asthma. He suggested those at risk stay indoors where possible, while the dust level is high, adding, if you have a preventer or maintenance inhaler, You should take it every day as prescribed, even when well. You should also keep your reliever or rescue inhaler with you in case of emergencies, so you can use it quickly if your symptoms get worse.
2: It took just a few drops overnight to bring the dust down in the Black Country, delighting car washers who saw trade increase unexpectedly. Meteorologist Rebecca Cantwell said, It's not uncommon. Maybe twice a year that it happens. If that setup comes and the flow comes up from the Sahara, it happens. The dust will eventually move away once our unusual September heatwave is replaced by more regular Atlantic weather fronts. In the meantime, we can also enjoy the benefit of our Saharan guest as the dust is also providing us with some spectacular morning sunrises and fire red late summer sunsets.
4: Raw sewage was released into open water in Staffordshire and the Black Country thousands of times and for 10,900 hours last year, figures show. Storm overflows normally happen when the sewage system is at risk of being overwhelmed, such as after heavy rain or during high levels of groundwater. In such cases, water companies may need to release excess water and sewage into rivers and the sea to prevent water backing up into the streets and people's homes. This has an impact on the quality of natural water sources, with some charities alleging storm overflows are being misused and underreported, Figures from the Environment Agency show storm overflows were used 3,120 times within local authority boundaries in the Black Country and Staffordshire in 2022 discharging for a total of around 10,900 hours. All of these spills were from Seven Trent Waters Network. The figures relate to local authority boundaries within Walsall, Wolverhampton, Sandwell, Dudley, Cannock, Stafford and South Staffordshire. Of these areas, storm overflows were used the most times in South Staffordshire at 723, discharging for 3437 hours. However, the figures may not provide a full picture of the amount of water pollution in the area, as sites may also be impacted by overspills from areas they share water sources with. The Rivers Trust said it was particularly concerned by storm overflows being used during hot periods. Tessa Wardley, Director of Communications and Advocacy at the charity said, discharging untreated sewage in dry weather is bad for both human health and river health. Low river flows mean more concentrated pollutants at a time when more people want to enjoy their rivers. Although a problem in their own right, These discharges are also the canary in the coal mine, pointing to greater problems in our sewerage and river systems. This could be blockages in the system, groundwater seeping into broken pipes, misconnections or just poor management choices, she added. She urged robust, urgent action on sewage and river management to help tackle the climate crisis and threats to biodiversity. 7Trent Water saw 44,765 overspills across its network in 2022, with 99% of the company's facilities reporting overspill data last year. Gareth Mead, River Ranger Manager at 7Trent said, We understand why people feel let down by water companies when it comes to rivers. And we know what needs to be done to make it right and we're doing it we're delivering an industry leading plan that includes bold commitments such as by 2030 our operations will cause no harm to rivers in the first year of this plan we've reduced our impact by a third but we know there's more to do which is why we're continuing to invest hundreds of millions of pounds into making rivers the healthiest they can be From the stench of sewage and resemblance of rotten eggs, to the sweeter fragrant notes and tones of smelling like daisies, as one such project 7Trent is working on to help improve our rivers is STEPS, an innovation based around working with local farmers to create wildflower mini-meadows throughout the region.
3: The Seven Trent Environmental Protection Scheme steps is aiming to prevent pesticides, nitrates, and cryptosporidium from reaching rivers, watercourses, and groundwater to protect drinking water quality and the environment. Farmers can apply for grants of up to thirty thousand pounds for projects like pesticide washdown areas with rainwater harvesting over winter cover crops and help with livestock fencing 7 Trent Senior Agriculture Advisor Susie Bamber said Our new meadows have butterflies, bees, ladybirds You can hear the grasshoppers It's full of pollinators They are good for everybody because they help produce our food The wildflowers are great for people to see while they are using the footpath nearby Great for well-being She added the tufted grass may attract small mammals, in turn attracting owls dwelling in the nearby trees. The whole food chain is here. The creation of the meadows, complete with wildflowers like the Oxide Daisy and Lady's Bed Straw, helps the farmer by aiding biodiversity to attract insects, the natural predators of crop pests. Field planting options may help prevent flooding by improving soil biology and structure. Steps has so far awarded over 2,160 grants to farmers for a wide range of projects which have led to many environmental benefits, including the creation of more than 4,600 hectares of new habitat. The habitats support insect and mammal populations that can attract birds to the area, which in turn supports a natural predator population, all helping control crop damaging aphids and slugs. A representative of 7Trent who covers the Staffordshire catchment said, For every pound spent, we can make between a £2 and £20 saving in water treatment costs. That can really help customer bills. Our advisors help farmers select the appropriate options to apply for. I believe a grant only works if it supports a customer to do something they were thinking of doing but need a little assistance to implement the improvement. That's why it was worth farmers working with their local advisor to make the right application. now it's time to test your knowledge as we have the quiz questions for this edition brought to us by Mina.
6: Hello and welcome to this week's flashback quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers' Did You Know feature. But for now, these are your questions. Here we go. Question one. What facial feature is missing on the Mona Lisa? Question 2. Which book is stolen from libraries the most? Question 3. How many sick sheep did the sick sheik have? Question 4 Which animal cannot jump? Question 5 Who patented a paper bag making machine in 1871? And finally question 6 What did Stephanie, do? discover in 1966 i will be back later in the show but for now best of luck
3: cheers for those questions mina Mm, i'll get my mind working on them Up now, however, is another block of local news. Very warm weather has an impact on us all. It can cause heat gain, raising our body temperatures very quickly and even changing our appetite too. Recent weeks have also seen a host of strange happenings in the animal kingdom, which may have also had an inadvertent effect upon us, our friends and or our family. Anyone who has recently returned back to the black country from a vacation to Benidorm in Spain may have told you all about an experience that's more befitting of a big screen horror movie than a family holiday hotspot. The searing sunshine has raised the temperature of the sea and has increased the metabolism of the local Obladas fish, increasing their appetite. The piranha-style fish reportedly attacked up to 15 holidaymakers a day last week. Said to be attracted to moles, warts, or small wounds on the skin, the fish drew blood and left teeth wounds on their victims' arms, legs, and backs. Amid the heat of an Indian summer, Gardening experts at Gardening Express also issued a warning to us all last week about the possible invasion of hornets as they travel to the UK from Europe. The insect invasion is known to be a distinct threat to our ecosystem, but particularly to our most powerful pollinator, the honeybee, as a hornet can eat around 50 honeybees a day. They are also particularly attracted to alcohol, too, so the experts have also encouraged beer gardens and pub owners to be on high alert. Much closer to home, and we have also seen numerous reports of snakes in the Black Country. Yes, you heard it right. Snakes on the loose. Most recently, in Sandwell last week.
4: Police arrived in West Bromwich at around 1.30am last Tuesday to discover a 12-foot yellow python, one of the world's biggest snakes, which are native to Southeast Asia, in the middle of the road. But with the RSPCA unable to attend due to the time of the call, it took the work of some brave response officers to step in to rescue it. After wrapping a towel around the snake's head to prevent it from biting, the officers gently lifted the snake, with some struggle, into a police van. The mighty python was then transferred to a nearby vets for overnight care. It was the latest in a string of recent incidents, with officers in Aston, Birmingham, being left shocked in June when they came across a boa constrictor. Three officers bravely ushered the reptile into a pillowcase with the help of a broom at the other side of the road. Just days later, another huge snake was spotted emerging from a shop in the same part of the West Midlands. It was caught by staff at a nearby butcher's who lured it into a pipe before placing it into a plastic container. So, why have the RSPCA received close to 40 reports of snakes slithering across our region so far this year? Here is what we know so far about the police finding an increased number of slippery suspects in our streets.
2: Data from UK Pet Food reveals how the number of snakes being kept in homes has soared from 500,000 to 700,000 in 12 months, while the RSPCA said it received 1,031 reports involving the reptiles last year. The problem is particularly severe in the summer as they become more active in warmer temperatures. The charity's senior scientific officer, Evie Button, said, Snakes are excellent escape artists and will take the opportunity of a gap in an enclosure door or a loose-fitting lid to make a break for it. Last year, we took more than 1,000 reports about snakes, with the highest number of calls coming in during the summer months. This is not surprising as snakes become more active during hot weather, so as the UK starts to swelter, we are braced for another influx of calls. The RSPCA urges all pet snake owners to be extra vigilant at this time of year. Invest in an enclosure suitable for the particular species and make sure that enclosure is kept secure and locked if necessary when unattended. We received nearly 1.1 million calls to our emergency line in 2022 an increase of 1.6% on the previous year. And our frontline officers are flat out trying to rescue animals that may be in life-threatening situations. So a few extra minutes checking that your snake is secure could help save our officers time and allow them to save an animal that's in danger. Inexperienced keepers have been urged to pay special attention to their pet snakes due to the rise in escapees. Pythons, boa constrictors, and corn snakes are three of the most popular species to keep.
0: More local news to follow. But now Pete's got an idea to help with the visual discomfort of the warm sunshine.
7: If you need help with sight loss, then filter glasses might help you. Filter glasses are a range of glasses specially for sight loss, designed to protect your eyes from harmful UV rays and reduce glare and bright light, and also improve contrast as well. They make things clearer to see and your eyes more comfortable. They can either be worn on their own, or you can wear them over your existing prescription glasses. Wearing a sun hat or a baseball cap or a sun visor can also help too. So if you'd like to try the range of cocoon filter glasses and find the right lens and frame to make life a bit more comfortable for you, then call Beacon Sight Loss Advisors for an appointment. You can call on 01902 880 111 and ask for a Sight Loss Advisor.
2: Up next, let's have another block of local news. A television historian and professional genealogist from one of the region's universities said she believes there is still an appetite for the royal family one year on from the Queen's death. The anniversary was marked across the region on Friday as King Charles and Queen Camilla chose to spend their time in quiet contemplation away from the public gaze at Balmoral, the place where she died. Michaela Holm, a lecturer in public history, believes it is the slimming down of the monarchy and its willingness to modernise in line with the younger members of the family that will keep it relevant in the near future. But she admits there is division even within her own family where some members don't recognise their relevance or worth whilst others want to keep it going. The historian who specializes in the period 1800 to 1950 has made more than 80 television appearances and can be currently seen on bbc's who do you think you are said i certainly think the queen was a good role model for the royal family and brought it into an age where it was more relevant to the subjects during the period i study the monarchs were completely detached from the public they were seen as distant they very rarely travelled to the provinces and were aloof. We saw with the Queen how loved she was around the world, particularly perhaps in the USA and Canada, both of which she visited many times. Many people watching from afar commented on how the British are so good at pomp and ceremony, but with the Queen it seemed to have that extra element of her being approachable, everyone's favourite grandmother if you like. Michaela is on the editorial board of the Midlands History Journal and spoke about when Queen Victoria visited Wolverhampton in 1866. Her first public appearance outside the capital for five years. She said the visit was crucial to the second half of her reign, giving her the confidence to resume public duties. Queen Elizabeth travelled many miles around the country and the world to meet people she seemed to excel at public duty. Maybe there is not the appetite for as many public engagements with King Charles and Camilla, and it seems they are opting for a quieter reign and a slimmed down monarchy using the public purse. But as the country remembers the queen one year on, it will be as a monarch who served her country and made the institution popular again, bringing it into the 21st century many authors and those closer to the Queen have told how the Queen had a playful sense of humor, a quick wit, excellent comic timing, and was even a talented mimic. As a tribute, the following personal account of events from Sounding's contributor Alastair recalls how a moment trying to get a military action just right could have been highly embarrassing for all concerned, and may have raised a chuckle or two. Introducing How I nearly knocked over the then future king.
8: TNF soundings, features from across the UK.
9: This is Alastair Hutton with a true story of how I nearly knocked over the future king and lived to tell the tale. i called it a royal near-miss. When he was still a relatively young man, His Royal Highness the Duke of Rothesay, the Queen's eldest son, and now King Charles III, earned his parachute wings, which enabled him to wear the cherished red beret, and become Colonel-in-Chief of the British Army's elite Parachute Regiment. It was in that role that wholly inadvertently, but happily, I narrowly avoided knocking down our future King in front of hundreds of people. In the British Army, colors are a regiment's most revered possessions and have to be guarded with the carrier's life if necessary. There are usually two, a king's colour and a regimental colour, essentially flags carrying the regiment's badges and the honours won on past battlefields. No one really knows why they're called colours, although a treatise of 1598 postulated that it was because of the many colours embroidered on them. In days long ago, colours were carried into battle to act as a rallying point for soldiers who became disorientated in the heat and smoke of conflict. The last time this happened, was in 1881 at the Battle of Lang's Neck in South Africa. Up until then, the regiment's colour was always carried or trooped in front of the warriors before a battle so they knew what to look for. The ceremony of trooping the colour, which celebrates the monarch's birthday each year on Horse Guards Parade, is a modern recreation of that old practice. Usually carried only on ceremonial occasions, these colours begin to wear out and are replaced every 25 years or so. So it was that in 1982, the Scottish Territorial Army Battalion of the Parachute Regiment, 15 Para, prepared to receive new colours from the Colonel-in-Chief 30 years after it received its first colours from Field Marshal Byrne and Montgomery in 1952. Since it was founded in 1942, the Parachute Regiment has gained a reputation for its highly effective fighting skills, but never for its ability to match the guards' regiments in the smartness of its drill on parade. So, we gathered at Redford Cavalry Barracks in Edinburgh from our locations in Glasgow, Edinburgh and Aberdeen and practised hard, really hard, to make our drill as impressive as we could, especially as we would be on parade in front of the Colonel-in-Chief His mother had a very sharp eye for detail, and we no doubt her eldest son would have the same. We were also parading in front of senior officers of the regiment, including the battalion's founder, Brigadier Alastair Pearson, the most highly decorated volunteer soldier of the Second World War, but most importantly, in front of families and friends, who would be supercritical long after the parade was over. We had within our ranks a former regimental sergeant major, now Major, Pete Kelly, a career soldier from Glasgow's Gorbals area who had spent his adult life in the regiment. To him fell the unenviable task of trying to make silk purses out of us sows' ears. Pete must have really annoyed one of the officers, for on the morning of the parade someone had removed the laces from his boots, replacing them, was as big a challenge to him as all the days of struggling to get us to do immaculate drill. I was second in command of the battalion, and my task on the day would be to carry the Queen's colour from the drum head, an altar made up of military drums where the new colours would be consecrated, and present it to the Colonel-in-Chief for the formal presentation to the battalion. In practice, my performance must have looked too relaxed For I remember to this day Pete's strict instruction to snap the color forward with a sharp military movement. The big day, Saturday the 28th of May, 1982, dawned bright and thankfully dry, but with enough wind to show off any flags to good advantage as the officers and men strove to make their turnout as smart and brilliant as they were capable of achieving. There was a great deal of military movement before the essential part of the ceremony, the battalion soldiers marching on to the music of the combined regimental bands, preceded by the regimental mascot, a Shetland pony named Lance Corporal Pegasus III, who had come to the Paris at five years old, having been rescued from a life of neglect and mistreatment. In the capable hands of the pony major, Private Nolan, he showed an admirable steadiness on parade, and was followed by the ranks of volunteer airborne soldiers, were formed into remarkably straight lines before the heart of the ceremony. The Colonel-in-Chief arrived and inspected the parade, and the old colours were trooped before him in the assembled parade before they were marched off to the accompaniment of old Lang Syne to be laid up with due solemnity later. The respect shown to the colours is a modern-day reminder of the almost magical qualities they were felt to contain, In days gone by, the infamy of a crime committed by a soldier was purged by passing the colours as the symbols of regimental honour over his head, lifting the stain from him and the whole unit together. Then the new colours were revealed and laid on the drumhead altar by quartermaster Fred Graham MBE, ready for their consecration by three military padres. Once the two new colours had been blessed, I marched forward to lift the Queen's colour, the senior of the two, from the drumhead altar, while Major Mike Carroll took possession of the regimental colour. My role was to present the Queen's colour to His Royal Highness, and Pete Kelly's mantra, Snap it forward, with a sharp military movement, rang like an endless bell in my head, as I tried to make this rare ceremony look just right for ourselves and the spectators. I snapped to attention in front of the Colonel-in-Chief and started the sharp military movement of the colour towards HRH. At that moment, he took a step forward and horror flashed through me as I envisaged a hideous collision of the revered colour with the royal nose. The matter took only a flash, but in that blink of time, a thousand thoughts surged through my brain. I must not strike the Colonel-in-Chief. If I do... What will the punishment be? Will it bring unending shame on a proud unit of brave men who've worked so hard to make this a special day? At times like that, the human brain works far faster than any computer. By instinct, I arrested the sharp military movement of my right arm, and the prince imperceptibly swayed slightly backwards, the queen's colour finishing in the right place. H.R.H. to grasp it firmly before handing it on to Lieutenant John McWilliams, the young officer who had paraded before the battalion. While the Colonel-in-Chief complimented the parade on its smartness, he reminded them of the need to guard and maintain the sanctity of these colours. They could almost relax and reflect inwardly on how narrow had been that moment between success and lasting ignominy. As is usual with such incidents, No one else noticed a thing wrong. Prince and I exchanged a laugh at the buffet lunch afterwards, and I was left with a lasting memory of what had in that moment seemed far more terrifying than any of my hundreds of parachute jumps.
8: NS soundings
2: Up next it's trivia time brought to us by Flashback Roger and his Did You Know feature It's all yours Roger take it away
7: I do hope that you're all well and eager to hear this week's rush of data that I've unearthed for you. There should be some interesting conversation pieces to chew over with your friends whenever you meet. So here we go. Now then, did you know that? The Mona Lisa has no eyebrows. Some say that there once were, but they were faded or painted over, or that they were inadvertently removed during cleaning. It's just one of the many mysteries surrounding this enigmatic work. Mind you, nobody has speculated that maybe you just had a heavy clocking session. The most stolen book from public libraries is the Guinness Book of Records. So it holds the record for being the most often stolen tome. I do hope that they've issued a certificate to themselves though, as they do for other records. Now then, here's a corker that I couldn't help repeating for us. How so about this for a conundrum? The Sixth six Sheik's six sheep Sick it is said to be the toughest tongue twister in the English language. I'll say it again slowly, word by word, so you can practice it. The Sixth Sick Sheik's Sixth Sheep's six sheep, Sick. There you go. You got it? I hope so, because I ain't going to repeat it. And elephants are the only animals that can't jump. The bones and their legs all point downwards and don't have the necessary spring to allow them to leap. Most animals that jump can do so as a technique to avoid predators and jumping isn't something elephants need to do to avoid such natural dangers. An inventor Margaret Knight had her invention stolen by a man who claimed that there was no way a woman could have invented such a machine. She finally received a patent in 1871 for a machine that could produce the square bottom paper bags that we use every day and never think twice about. And another lady inventor is Stephanie Kwolik, who in 1966, while researching for strong but independent plastics to use in car tyres, DuPont researcher Stephanie Kwolik discovered what would become known as Kevlar. This revolutionary fibre has saved countless lives in the form of bulletproof vests and is also used in numerous applications such as bridge cables, canoes, and a myriad of everyday things. Well that's a mixed bag of conversation stoppers to add to your repertoire this week and I hope that you'll practice the tongue twister for your party pieces For me though, well I'm just going to have me a nice cup of tea and get me tongue twisted round a twix this week Till next week then I'll say bye for now ta a bit, ta Ta-ra.
3: Up now we have to hear what the weather has in store for us. Brought to us, come rain or shine, by our own Sunny Mina.
6: The weather for this week ahead is forecast to be rather unsettled, with some sunny intervals and plenty of showers. Temperatures are also forecast to be much cooler this week at 18 degrees. And we may not be ditching the duvet either as overnight temperatures will be a lot more comfortable at 8 degrees. UV levels are expected to fluctuate between low and medium as we go through the week and see varying spells of sunshine. The sunrise and sunset times are 6.50am for the sunrise and 7.15pm for the sunset. Friday 15th of September is forecast to be bright and clear in the morning, but the showers will set in by the time we get to midday. With the gentle breeze, temperatures are expected to be around 18 degrees. Moving on, and the spell of rain looks set to linger throughout the weekend. There's a chance of sun making a brief appearance here and there but Sunday does bring the best chance of some spells of sunshine. With a gentle breeze, temperatures will continue to remain at 18 degrees. On to next week and the unsettled weather will continue to dominate with plenty of sharp showers still hanging around with us. It is forecast for rain to remain in the region from Monday 18th of September and continue right through to Thursday 21st of September. Not only are we looking to be riddled with rain next week, but there's a chance the wind will pick up by the time we get to Wednesday too, where gusty winds of up to 40 miles per hour are possible, so do take care. The showers are forecast to be persistent all week but should ease off at times with a chance of some brief sunny intervals breaking through, allowing temperatures to continue to hover around 18 degrees. So, that's another mixed bag of rain and sun for the
3: week and as always, enjoy the weather. Thanks for that weather update, Mina. Up now, we have a special edition of this week's sports feature. TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK.
10: Hello, this is Amanda with an article written by Fiona. People with sight loss succeed in a wide variety of jobs across almost all employment sectors. Just like everyone else, it comes down to whether they have the training, skills and experience. There are blind and partially sighted secretaries, car mechanics, Nurses, scientists, stockbrokers, MPs, journalists, web designers, and teachers. Just like any other worker, they need the right tools to do the job. Most of all, it seems, they need the determination to succeed in a chosen field, no matter how challenging. Freelance photographer Romilly Esp of Telford has had limited vision all her life but that hasn't stopped her from challenging perceptions in the photography world. Now, with the help of a local charity, Shropshire Youth Support Trust, SYST, the teen has launched her own photography business, ESP Media Warrior. Speaking to the Shropshire star, Romilly explained that when her vision started deteriorating rapidly over two years ago, when she was 17, she was faced with a difficult decision to abandon her equine veterinary course. Speaking to reporter Megan Jones, Romilly explained, I can only see clearly through my left eye, so when I do photo shoots, I always think of a bunch of ideas in my mind before I go, to make it easier. I can't work past 7pm as my eyes get really tired, so it's more challenging. I want to help prove to people that no matter your disability, you should not let that limit your options, she said. According to the Nigerian newspaper Punch, There are perhaps few people in the world today who can hold on to their goals and convictions tenaciously through the haze of disabilities, like blind car mechanic Mutala Shuaibu. He has trained his other senses, touch, smell, and hearing, to allow him to continue working. Locally, he is known as the blind car mechanic, but his popularity soared on social media recently when one of his clients made a short video about him. Mutala, who is married with two children and lives in Kano State, gradually lost his sight and finally became completely blind in his thirties. He recalled, At first, it was very challenging to repair cars as a visually impaired person. I thought it was impossible for me to fix cars, identify their defective parts, engage their problems without my sight. In fact, I almost gave up in discouragement, but my persistence and courage kept me going. I began to train my hands, nose and ears to make up for my lost sight. I identified car parts with my hands and attuned my ears to the sound of engines so I could detect when there's a problem. If I hold a spanner in my hands, I can tell its size and use my hands to decide where I should apply it. I also rely on my nose to sense if there is a fault with the cars I work on. After a period of years, my ears became sensitive to figuring out what is wrong with a car, and my hands adapted to changing automobile parts with minimal assistance. Now, once I listen to the noise of your car, I can tell you the problem. Speaking of cars, Cambridge events manager and DJ Yvette Chivers not only spins the discs, despite suffering from retinitis pigmentosa, she has signed up to spin the wheels too. Fifteen years after Yvette had to return her driving license to the DBLA and give up driving for good, she will drive three supercars around a race circuit comprising hairpin bends and fast straights. Yvette will be in the safe hands of Ablenet, who provide accessible adventure and driving experience for people with disabilities. Supercar blind driving experiences involve taking to the racetrack accompanied by a professional instructor, who will give feedback on direction and speed. The cars have been made as accessible as possible and all models have semi-automatic or fully automatic gearboxes. Yvette said, I'm unbelievably excited to be back behind a steering wheel. When I learned I wouldn't be able to drive anymore, I was devastated and it felt like I was stripped of my independence. So I thought marking the anniversary with Ablenet's blind driving experience was a perfect way to do something I once enjoyed and to raise money for RNIB at the same time. Finally, it's not only visually impaired humans who challenge themselves. A large hairy dog called Soldier, who is blind and deaf, has received rave reviews by visitors to his owner's Airbnb on the island of Provo in the Caicos Islands. It is Soldier's daily task to lead visitors safely over a boardwalk and along a sandy road to the beach, before taking a refreshing dip in the sea.
3: ENF Soundings
2: Now, here come the quiz Answers and they're brought to us by Mina
6: Hello and welcome to this week's Answers for the Flashback Quiz Feeling Confident? How will you score? Let's see Question 1. What facial feature is missing on the Mona Lisa? And the answer? Her eyebrows. Question 2. Which book is most stolen from libraries? And the answer? The Guinness Book of Records. Question 3. How many sick sheep did the sick sheik have? And the answer here is six. Question four, which animal cannot jump? And of course, it's elephants. Question five, who patented a paper bag making machine in 1871? And the answer here is Margaret Knight. And finally, question six, what did Stephanie Quillock discover in 1966? And the answer here is Kavla. Did you get them all right? If not, not to worry, as I will be back next week to test you all again. Bye for now.